0: one for the way back. It was kind of cool because I'd sit in the back and I'd watch it and look at it. Um, I remember, this has been a long time ago, Uh, this was almost 30 years ago, Uh, way back when when I delivered mail in Ohio, there was an apartment complex. It was so big, it was so large, it actually took two people to deliver this whole complex, and it was really confusing. Now, Fortunately, there were maps of the complex that the the, the regular carriers had, and and they would outline which buildings you go through and this and that. Because you might go in the front door of this building, and then you had to go through the side door and around the back of this building, through the back door, up these steps, through this hall, and hopefully wind back up where you started. (laughs) I did keep the map in my mailbag because I would have been lost. It's actually got so bad that there was somebody who went out and got lost in that complex. They couldn't find where they actually parked. And what was horrible, because we didn't have cell phones, nothing like that. He had to call the post, he had to knock on people's doors, which is humbling in itself. When I'm sorry, can I use your phone? I can't find my truck. So the guy finally calls back to the post office. I get back, and the supervisor says, hey, you need to go out and help Craig. That's not his real name. I'm trying to protect the innocent. They say, you got to go help him. He lost his truck. (laughs) Like, oh, that's fun. But when you got lost back then, it was so different. Um, You know, you had a... (laughs) Well, if you were a man, you didn't stop and ask for directions because nobody wanted to admit that you were lost, but it happened. Um, It's humiliating to get lost. And today, it really is hard to get lost uh, in regards to where you're physically located, where you are right now. But what if you lost your phone? It would make things a lot more difficult. But people still get lost today. They get lost, not concerning their location so much, but they get lost in their direction and their destination. Because for some reason in the world today, people have decided that, that they can follow their ideas, their own ideals, their principles, the teachings of this world, and the sins of this flesh, and, and they think everything's going to be fine. You, you can live and you can act in any way that you see fit, just, just be you. But there's another extreme that people can take today. And we're going to see how Jesus, how He counters that kind of attitude as we begin this series looking at God's lost and found. Over the next several weeks, we're going to see, we're going to look at how God sees the lost and how ultimately He wants to see them found, saved, and restored in their relationship with Him. And Luke 15 is probably most well known for the parable of the what? prodigal son. Everybody knows the story of the prodigal son, but the uh, the entire chapter is actually a single parable. And and if you're new to church, a parable at its most basic, if you kind of take it down, it's a heavenly story with an earthly meaning. It's when Jesus is trying to illustrate and show us something, teach us an important lesson with a simple story that even we can understand. So, over the coming weeks, we're going to look at a lost sheep a lost piece of silver, a lost son, and a lost sibling. And when we're finished, when we're finished, I want us to just understand one fundamental truth, just one thing. It's going to take me four weeks to say it, but one thing that Jesus cares for those who are lost, and his desire is for them to be found. So I'm going to pray, and we'll read our text for this morning. Pray with me. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to be in this place, uh, to worship you, to honor you through, through, through our worship, through our giving. And Lord, I pray that as we study your word, that Lord, we see the truth that it has for us in our lives and for the lives of those around us. Lord, just make us receptive. Open our hearts to your word and allow it to just penetrate into us so that our hearts can be like yours and that we can feel that same concern for those who are lost, who are lost and outside of a relationship with you. Lord, thank you for your son. Thank you that you loved us enough to send him into this world. And Lord, thank you for loving us enough to give his life for us. Lord, be with us as we look at your word, and I just pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So starting in the first verse of Luke 15, God's word says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends, his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. I, I want you to picture... What's been happening? Jesus has been ministering to the people. He's been teaching them. Uh, people from every walk of life wanted to hear him. They wanted to be healed by him. They, wa- they wanted to be helped by him. His teaching and his life, it was touching people's lives. He, lives were being changed. And he's teaching something radically different than what they were hearing taught in the synagogues, in the temple. He he wasn't teaching them that there was this set of rules, this set of regulations that you needed to follow. He's telling them you just need repentance in a relationship. And even the tax collectors and those dirty sinners were coming to hear him. And, And it was scandalous. a a, a rabbi a teacher spending time with those kind of people it was unheard of if you would share a meal with someone what you were doing is saying i accept you i accept you just the way you are and here's jesus he's receiving sinners he's not just receiving them he's eating with them And the religious people, they didn't want to have anything to do with that kind of riff-raff. We don't need those kinds of people here. They're not going to give. They're they're, they're not going to serve. They won't dress right. They, They won't keep all the rules that we keep. Yeah, we might let them in eventually. But they better clean up their act first. Oh, we'll make them jump through a bunch of hoops. We'll make them sign a contract. We'll make them take a class so that they can learn to be proper, upstanding citizens just like us. Verse 2, it says, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man, this guy named Jesus, he's receiving sinners and eating with them. I was actually going to spend all day in that verse because there's so much there. Now, I want you to please understand that that the Pharisees and the scribes, they were the religious people of the day. They were the people who were in church every single time that the doors were open. And if you go back with Baptists, it would have been Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. They were there. They were self-righteous And they were critical of others. They they were judging other people by their own standards. And most of all, they liked to grumble. Not that church people would grumble today, would they? Did church people ever grumble? People wouldn't grumble in a church if we were trying to reach lost people, would they? People wouldn't grumble because their personal preferences weren't being met. People wouldn't grumble about the color of the carpet or the paint on the walls. People wouldn't grumble that someone had the audacity to sit in their pew on Sunday morning. People wouldn't grumble if the pastor didn't shake their hand or didn't say good morning to them specifically. People wouldn't grumble because they aren't the focus of what we're doing. People wouldn't criticize or gossip just because they don't like change, would they? But that happens in churches all over the world every single Sunday. But the issue here in Luke 15 is that these religious people, these church people, they were rejecting the ones that they needed to be reaching out to the most. They simply wrote them off. They said, you're not worth our time and you're not worth our effort. And it was these poor people, it was these people that everyone rejected, it was the people that no one cared about. They were the ones that Jesus reached out to. In fact, he said, that's the very reason that I came into the world. He says in Luke 19, verse 10, he says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the religious people. That he came into the world to seek and to save the people who kept my set of rules, the people who who were doing the right things and dressed the right way. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus came into this world for the lost, for the hurting, for the sinful people, and he reached out to them. And Jesus, He knew the hard heart of these religious people. He t- so, He tells them this parable and it makes, that makes up all of this chapter. He, and He says it, and He gives them four illustrations trying to teach them, to make them understand the value and the importance of every single lost person. He even uses this parable to teach the religious people, you might not be as secure in your relationship with God as you think you are. He says one day there's a shepherd out. Just one what shepherds do when he starts counting in his sheep. And they had to have basic math because, I mean, if you got got 100, that's more than fingers and toes. So he's counting one, two, three. I won't go all the way up. And he gets to 99, and he's like, wait a minute. There should be 100. One of my sheep is missing. And the shepherd, motivated by the danger that that sheep, that one sheep was facing, that loss, the shepherd takes immediate action to restore that sheep to its proper place in the fold. Now, by nature, sheep, they've already got three strikes against them. They're, they you know they're already out of the ball game. First, sheep are dumb. sheep are dumb. The bottom line is a sheep is not the smartest animal in the world. as a result, they're constantly getting into terrible situations. If you don't believe me, get on YouTube and look for just sheep doing dumb sheep stuff because whew. but people today are the same way people who, who who are away from the Lord, who are away from the Lord, they, they live their lives in just plain dumb ways. Unfortunately, even after a person is saved, there's still a definite lack of understanding among most of his sheep. Sheep are dumb. Sheep are directionless. That's strike too. Sheep are directionless. If a sheep wanders off from the rest of the flock... Oh, that looks like some tasty grass over there. It's hard, if not impossible, for that sheep to make its way back on its own. See, sheep don't have any sense of direction. Kind of like, well, I'm not going to go there. It's it's the same way with those outside of a relationship with Christ. There's simply no sense of spiritual direction in their lives, and they can't find their way to Him on their own. Strike two. Third strike, sheep are defenseless. They're defenseless. I mean, lions, tigers, and bears? You're supposed to say, oh my. Lions and tigers and bears? Bears? thank you. They have teeth, they have claws, they're vicious. Snakes, they have fangs. Um, Even birds have defense mechanisms. What does sheep have? Nothing. They got wool. (laughs) They're defenseless. They have absolutely no way to protect themselves from danger. If a sheep is attacked, they're completely helpless. But people are the same way. There is no way that any of us on our own can protect ourselves against the the attacks of our enemy. We need someone to protect us. By their very nature, sheep they need a shepherd. And that's why we picture Jesus as the good shepherd. Because in that person of the good shepherd, We see Christ, and it it just becomes clear that the idea of a shepherd and a sheep, it's just such a good way to describe the relationship that he has with his people. And in this account, where they're searching, saving, shouting, we see a picture of his love for us. We see a picture of his longing for us, and we see a picture of the labor that he put in to save us. There is a picture of salvation that we cannot miss today. So if you're here today and you're lost, you're going to discover what Jesus has done for you and how you can be saved today. And if you're saved, you're going to be reminded of his love and his grace, and you'll be given an opportunity to thank him. And if you're saved and you're not as close to the shepherd as you should be, you can set that right as well. So let's look at the lost sheep. The first thing that we're going to notice, the first thing we'll look at, if you have your outline, is the shepherd's compassion. We see the shepherd's compassion. And we're going to see that his compassion evident is he has compassion for a lost sheep. There's a lost sheep in this. And, and in this passage, in this parable, the word lost, it's actually the same word translated perish in John 3.16. It, 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 it's referring to destruction. It, it, this sheep that in the parable, it's in great immeasurable danger. It, this sheep, it's headed for ruin. It's headed for destruction. And the shepherd knows this. And he's concerned about the condition of that sheep. And he's moved to actually do something for that lost sheep. The big picture, the big thing that we need to understand in this story is that the sheep is lost for one reason. That sheep is lost for one reason alone. Then sheep's lost because it wandered away, it walked away. That sheep is lost because of its own fault. The sheep is where it is because it chose to be there. And it's the same way for all of us. We are where we are today because of the choices that we make. See, God knows all about the lost condition of humanity. He knows where we are and where we've been. He knows all about us. And he even knows the condition of your heart today. He knows that you're lost because of the sin of Adam. He also knows that you're a sinner because you choose to be one. He knows how you're living. He he knows where you're headed if you don't get saved. He knows that hell is the end of the road for every soul that's not in a personal saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Paul tells us in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9, he says this about what's going to happen to those people. He says, They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His might. Not only does God know the condition of the loss, He's moved to do something about that lost condition. So the shepherd has compassion for a lost sheep, and he also has compassion for a loved sheep, for a loved sheep. That that sheep, it, it chose to wander away from the shepherd. It did that on its own, but it was still dear to him. There was value in that one sheep, in that one sheep, and the shepherd wanted it returned. The shepherd cared about that one little lost sheep the good shepherd loves all the lost sheep in the world. And if you are lost today, I want you to know the truth that God loves you. How do I know? First, he said it. John three sixteen says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. He said it, but he also showed it. Paul writes in Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8, he says, For while we were still weak, while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. Verse 8 says, "But But God shows His love for us, in that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. And if you ever doubt His love for you, don't look any further than Calvary. The shepherd, the shepherd had compassion for a lost sheep, a loved sheep, and a lone sheep. It was just one sheep. Just one sheep was missing. He still had 99, but he still went searching Another shepherd, might have he might have counted the personal cost and said, well, it's just one. I have 99 more. He may have let that sheep stay lost forever. Imagine if you had a hundred one-dollar bills. It would look good in your wallet. You got a hundred one-dollar bills and you lose one. How hard would you look for it? I mean, a dollar doesn't buy much anymore, does it? A fifth of a gallon of gas? Probably wouldn't look too hard for it, would you? But the shepherd, the shepherd saw the value in just one sheep, and he went after it. Jesus, Jesus, the good shepherd, came into this world to die for lost sheep. And and. And I, I, I really believe that he did that, that he died for us because he believes that every lost soul is precious. And you need to understand the truth is that he died for you. So we see the shepherd's compassion. The next thing that we'll look at is the shepherd's commitment. Let's look at the shepherd's commitment. And the first thing that we'll see about his commitment is that it was sacrificial. His commitment it was sacrificial. For the shepherd, that search, it could have been dangerous. It it could have meant death. Um, Death could have been a possibility, going to find the sheep. And for Jesus, death was an absolute certainty. Jesus would even say in John chapter 10, verse 11, he said, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. In John 15, 13, he says, greater love Is no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. And we need to remember that the price that Jesus paid went far beyond what he did on Calvary. Paul would write in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, he says, "...have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God, a thing to be grasped but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross the shepherd's commitment it was sacrificial it was also successful It was successful the shepherd didn't stop the the shepherd didn't give up until the mission had been completed and that sheep had been found and jesus did not finish didn't stop on his quest on his mission until he was able to cry out from the cross it is finished jesus said in mark 10 45 for even the son of man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life is a ransom for many. See, his work, it wasn't wasted because he returned to the fold with the very thing he went looking for. It, it may appear to us that God's cause, that it's failing in the world, but Jesus will not be disappointed when, he, when that harvest, when, it's, when he reaps the harvest And someday when we arrive home in glory, we'll learn that the good shepherd perfectly fulfilled his mission, and all those he saved by his blood will be home with him in heaven. Jesus said in John 6, verses 37 to 40, he says, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. And because Jesus was successful, because of what he did on the cross, we have the assurance that everyone who believes will have eternal life. So we've seen the shepherd's compassion, his commitment, and finally, let's look at the shepherd's conquest. Let's look at the shepherd's conquest. And the first thing in that conquest, the first thing that we see is that there was a rescue. There was a rescue. The, sh- the sheep is found. It's been rescued. It's out of danger. It's back where it should be. And that's exactly what the good shepherd does for all of his sheep. He delivers them from the danger and damage and the destruction of their sins. Now, most of us know John three sixteen by heart, but how many of you know what the two verses after that say? John three seventeen and 18? Jesus says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. Because when we're saved, when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are delivered from the penalty of sin, and even from the power of it. Options that were previously unavailable to us, they, they just come to life, and we don't need to fear death the way that we used to. Will we still mess up? Yeah. Will we still make bad choices? Yeah. Yeah. But we don't have to, because the more that we rely on Him, the more that we lean on Him, the closer, the closer we choose to be to Him, the harder it's going to be for sin to control our actions. So that conquest, it involves rescue, and it also involves rest. We see rescue and rest. See, the sheep in the passage, the sheep is not responsible for getting back home, is it? It may have wandered, it may have gotten really far away, but getting home, getting back to where it once belonged, getting back to where it needs to be, that's ultimately the responsibility of the shepherd. And after that sheep is saved, it finds itself resting on the strong shoulders of the shepherd. And I really think we should be so thankful that we're not responsible for getting ourselves back to where we need to be. See, we're found, and we're saved by grace alone. And it's grace alone that will see us back home. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 10, he says, "'For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God.'" Not a result of work, so that no one may boast. For we, and if you were in BBS this past week, you might know this verse For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, if we're truly his sheep, we don't need to be worried about being left behind. The shepherd was able to lift and to carry that sheep on its shoulders all the way back to the 99 others. The shepherd had the strength to finish what he started. Christ didn't start his mission to fail. He went after the sheep for the sole purpose of bringing them home. And don't ever, ever worry about being lost again just be sure, absolutely certain, that you get in. Our strength, it will wane, it will fail. We'll fail many times. But his strength will never waver. And our path to heaven is never dependent on us. It's never going to depend on me. It's never going to depend on you, but on Christ alone. It involves a rescue, rest, and the last one is rejoicing. There was rejoicing. The shepherd was able to rejoice with his friends and his neighbors because his lost sheep, it was found, and he's overjoyed at the rescue of just this one sheep, this one lost sheep. And in this parable, Jesus just makes it clear that that heaven, that heaven itself gets excited about the salvation of just one lost soul. Why? Because that relationship has been restored. Because fellowship has been restored. Because usefulness has been restored. See, God can't use dirty, filthy vessels But he can save a sinner by grace and use them in amazing ways for his glory. So today, let me ask you, where are you today in your relationship with the shepherd? Are you lost? Do you need to be rescued today? You can be if you come to him. Others of you here, you're saved But are you as close as you need to be to him today? If there is a need in your walk with Jesus, you can come and talk to him about it. Today, maybe some of you are saved and secure and resting on that shepherd's shoulders. And you can come today and worship him and thank him and pray for the lost. And there are people today who are concerned over lost people, friends, neighbors, relatives. Please see the truth. Understand that the shepherd left the 99 for the 1. And if there ever was a day that the church needed to get our eyes off of the 99 and onto the 1, it's today. This morning, as the worship team comes, where are you today in your relationship with the shepherd? Do you know him? Do you know what he's done for you? Do you know that he came into this world, that he lived a perfect, sinless life, that he was accused, he was betrayed, ultimately nailed to a Roman cross? He died, And on that third day, he was raised back to life, putting paid to the debt of sin. And he did that for you. And if you need to know him today, admit that you're a sinner. It shouldn't be hard for most of us to make that admission, that we've messed up, we've made bad decisions. Believe that Jesus is the Son of God that what he did on that cross, that it was for you. And then confess your faith in him. Romans 10, 9 tells us, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's so simple, and it changes everything. And today, if you do know the shepherd, Maybe this morning you need to come up here because you're not as close as you need to be, that you are far away from him. Come today and say, Lord, I want to be closer. Or come today and pray for those people that you know who are lost. Because the shepherd, he left the 99 for the one. And he did that for you. He's done that for all of us. So let us make the decision to be faithful to his call, to find, to do what he did, to seek and save the lost. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing a song this morning. I encourage you, if you need to come and you need to pray, do that today. If you need to know Christ, come. Let me pray. Father God, thank you for this morning thank you that you came for us thank you for what you've done for us and thank you for saving just dirty sinners like all of us that Lord we don't need to clean our act up that we don't need to do all these things we just need to know you and you'll take care of the rest Father, I pray that we have the same heart as you do, that our desire is to see the lost saved, that our priority is to reach out to this lost world because you're the only one who will make a difference. Lord, thank you. Thank you for just loving us enough, caring about us, to send your son to die. Father, I pray that Highland Hills is the church that you desire it to be, faithful and committed to your mission of going and making disciples, teaching them, baptizing them. Lord, help us be what you've called us to be. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Wednesday night at 6.30 uh, for Bible study. If you want to be involved with the women's Bible study, that starts Tuesday at 6.30. Uh, So you have options this week. Uh, Take advantage of one of them. Uh, Come back next Sunday as we look at that lost piece of silver uh, and just kind of discover more God's heart for us and for those outside of here. I'm going to ask Darren if you would dismiss us in prayer this morning if you don't mind
1: Heavenly Father we just want to thank you for this day today and bringing us all together to worship you and just finding peace and knowing that if we are lost that you are there you are a good good shepherds you are there to rescue us to, to come pick us up and to bring us back home into the glory of, of heaven I also just want to thank you for Everything that's happened here recently and uh, some of the things that have uh, changed in our world in the last couple of days for the better, those that will be saved and, and hopefully find their way to you as well. In so Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. amen. Our sin and shame away. Salvation's sight is rising as all your people seek your face, your life a river flowing. To wash our sin and shame away.